Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer here at Nurse.org. You know, I'm excited to talk with you. We talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. And, you know, these past, I want to say almost two years since the pandemic started, we have been talking a lot about uh, the nursing shortage and how we need nurses and how we need to support nurses. And while I think a lot of that conversation has been focused on the clinical needs, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about some other needs that we definitely have in nursing, and that's nurses in academia, nurses in education, nurses doing research, you know, nurse scientists, because that's something that we don't always talk about. And it's something that's critical for the continuation and for the elevation of our profession. So in today's podcast, I have some wonderful ladies who will be joining us, and they are part of the the Jonas Philanthropies, has a program called the Jonas Scholars, and these ladies are a part of it. But just a little bit about the Jonas Philanthropies, they are an organization that's really focused with supporting nurses, and they work in partnership with schools of nursing across the country, and they help to identify and invest in high-potential doctoral nursing scholars. Ladies, gentlemen, we need a lot more nursing scholars. We need a lot more doctoral prepared nurses. So I love that the Jonas Philanthropies are doing this, and I'm excited to hear more about the Jonas Scholars. And so joining us today, we have Dr. Kelly Warenga, whose recent publications include Disproportionate Impact of the COVID-19 Pandemic on Perceived Social Support, Mental Health, somatic symptoms in sexual and gender minority populations, as well as associations between COVID-19 perceptions, anxiety, and depressive symptoms among adults living in the U.S. Now listen to that, right? That's definitely something that we need to know more about. And she's doing a lot of research. We're going to invite her on. She's going to tell us more about herself and the work that she's doing. And we also have Dr. Timaya S. Nolan, whose recent publications include topics on the association of socioeconomic status with ideal cardiovascular health in Black men, or how to leverage community engagement in designing a community-based participatory research program. Something else that's very important, and I'm really excited that we have nurses who are leading the charge on very important topics like this and helping with the uh, generation and creation of new data, new information to help elevate not only nursing, but the healthcare profession, uh, wellness, public health, and all of those things. So please welcome to the show, Dr. Tamaya Nolan and Dr. Kelly Waringa. Hi, ladies. Hey, it's so great to be here. I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast. We're excited to have you. Now, that was a mouthful. And I mean, I literally didn't even get into you know, all of your bio and how accomplished you guys are and all the work that you're doing. So if each of you could just take, uh, you know, a few moments to tell us a little bit more about um, yourself, your journey as a nurse, and where you are today with the Jonas Scholars Program. 
thank you so much for having me on. I really uh, love the opportunity to talk to nurses uh, and future nurses who are out there. As was mentioned, my name is Tamaya Nolan, and I am an assistant professor at The Ohio State University, uh, and I have a joint appointment um, in our College of Nursing as well as our Cancer Center here. And so I'm so pleased to be here with you guys today and to tell you a little bit about my journey. I, I did come to Columbus, Ohio from Alabama. I did all of my training at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and came to uh, Ohio State as a postdoc. And so my work really focuses on teaching people to help self-manage their own chronic conditions, be that breast cancer or cardiovascular disease. How can they advocate for themselves? How can they really self-manage uh, the symptoms and the late effects of those particular diseases? Um, so thinking about diet physical activity, teaching about ways in which they can stop the stinking thinking uh, and really have more positive thoughts and redirecting and, and, and trying to improve things like anxiety and depression. And so I really take to heart the ability of uh, myself uh, to uh, use that nursing background and then apply it to science. And I am Kelly Waringa. And a lot of my work is also in self-management. I work on identifying how we can better help people to achieve an emotional and physical balance when they are improving their health. So addressing, you know, those symptoms of depression and anxiety, anxiety, like just like what Tamia was talking about, you know, it's really important that we continue this work. And not only do I look at, you know, what do we know about how people are experiencing the physical needs, such as physical activity, and emotional needs, but also looking at how we can provide treatments or interventions that can help people to have a better balance. Thank you so much. And, you know, this is really exciting. If I can just maybe speak for the new grads who are maybe listening in or people who are aspiring to be nurses, you ladies seem so well accomplished. You're, you know, the looking at, you know, ways in which, you know, you can help people self-manage their conditions and all of the things you just mentioned actually really seems kind of high level and very complicated and very, like a lot of a lot of work. So some some of the folks who are listening, they're new grads, they're just getting their feet on the ground, they've just passed NCLEX, and you know, they're just new nurses. And to get to from a new nurse to where you are today, I know it, it takes a lot of schooling, a lot of uh, education, a lot of experience. And you know, once you're there, I mean did you did you anticipate doing the work that you're doing today when you first became a nurse? I can say absolutely not. <laughs> a lot of us have a similar story. You know, we worked as clinicians and something happened on our journey that led us to want to ask questions and not be able to find the answers. And so then just found our ways into science because we needed to find the answers because we couldn't find them. You know, for me, working with patients with cardiovascular disease, you know, I was getting so frustrated at the bedside because I was giving out pamphlets and education so that people could go home and follow all the recommendations and not come back to the hospital. But there's so much more to self-management than just providing a list of instructions, you know, and discovering the science behind that helps us to find ways to support nurses and to support patients so that they can do a better job with less burden. Okay. Now, you also mentioned, you know, there's some 
academic work that you ladies do. So in your quest and your journey to kind of find these solutions and, you know, problem solve and do research, does uh, academia kind of go hand in hand with that? Is that like a, a marriage made in heaven, if you will, that as you're trying to figure out these answers that one must take the academic road to, you know, become a, a nurse scientist or a, a nurse researcher? I would say, you know, absolutely not. There are many different types of nurses and types of nursing that one can go into. And so to, you know, kind of answer that question as well as the last is that I never thought that I would be in this position. I always knew that I wanted a higher education. So I knew that I wanted to go beyond the bedside and try to affect more people. Uh, and so I, you know, got my nurse practitioner degree. And while I was doing that, I also got a teaching certi- uh, certification in nursing uh, because I wanted to teach. I wanted to teach other nurses to go out and to have those meaningful conversations with patients, those touch points, and to help to affect, you know, patient care in that manner. But it was a mentor of mine who reached out and said, well, you know, if you want to affect more people, the way that you can do that is through research. And you can develop and find new new knowledge and then have, you know, people take that on and do implementation into, you know, the real world and find out better ways to streamline that new knowledge that you have that you have um, that you have brought into this, you know, into the world. And so it was a mentor who, you know, introduced me to this side of, of nursing. And so I'm so very, very, very thankful that somebody saw something in me to then nurture me to become the individual that I am uh, on today. And so my journey uh, is, is unlike anyone else's journey. And I will say that we need nurses in all spaces, be that at the bedside, the chair side, the community. Um, we all have a part to play in this fight against health disparities and this fight against, you know, disease, really. I completely agree. You know, as nurses, our profession is so big and we only work if we work together. So, you know, there are experts that have to be experts in all of the different ways. Otherwise, you know, our research doesn't do any good if there's not nurses out there who are taking the research and putting it into policies or, you know, bringing it to legislation to make changes. We don't have the experience to do that. Well, I'm so glad that you're mentioning this and talking us through because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of nurses who are at the bedsides or in their ambulatory clinic who are very frustrated with current practices and policies and want to make change. Or as you got ladies mentioned earlier, they have questions about things. And so one of the best ways to find a solution to that is to be the the solution to the problem and to, you know, help elevate nursing and to serve the community by finding out those answers and improving practice. Now, you know, when it comes to going back to school, because I imagine that, you know, we, we finished nursing school, many of us are practicing clinicians at the bedside or in a clinic, and, you know, we develop this curiosity. We want to do more. We want to learn more. Uh, we want to do research. We want to teach. So that often requires going back to school for more education which can sometimes be costly, which can sometimes, you know, be challenging and you you really need a lot of support. So I want to segue a little bit into how you all became Jonas Scholars. You know, how did you learn about it? What's been your experience and what are you most excited about as a Jonas Scholar? Loaded question. I know. Sorry. (laughs) It's a lot of questions. I learned about uh, the Jonas Scholar program from a mentor who had heard about it 
and worked with me as we decided whether it was a good fit for me or not. One of the things that made it a great fit for me is that I'm really interested in leadership, particularly in mentored leadership so that we can move new nurses or, you know, experienced nurses, nurses at any level or nursing students so that they can experience new ways of participating in the profession in a way that's um, secure and you're provided someone who can help you along the way. So it was a great fit for me because I was able to do that within the program and get some really valuable skills with the Jonas program. Yes, and I'm a first-generation college student, um, so I am the first in in my in my uh, family to to finish a, a you know a, a BSN, MSN, PhD, and so it was you know as I was thinking about going forward, certainly a way in which I could pay for that PhD program, and so I had the the great fortune of of being introduced uh, to the Jonas Scholars Program and was selected in my school to represent. And so in the Jonas Program, one of the best things that I think came out of it was meeting some wonderful individuals who were like-minded, who were also seeking their PhDs and DNPs. Uh, And so certainly I think that camaraderie, I can still say that I I, um, actually interact with individuals from the Jonas Program and two who have uh, come to my university. Uh, So it's it's a collaborative in which we were able to, you know, kind of bond together to um, move through our PhD programs and with the like-minded individuals who, as Kelly mentioned, are really looking to become those next leaders in nursing. And so I really appreciate the experience that I had and still have to this day with, with some of the nursing scholars from that program. That is amazing. Now, for those who are listening, they may have questions about the Jonas Scholar Program. Where do I sign up? How can I be a part of that? Do you have recommendations for people who who are loving what they're hearing and who are looking for assistance and support and mentorship from similar programs? The Jonas program does support scholars in all 50 states. And so that program alone, there's a lot of opportunity. Typically, the processes that the schools select an individual from the schools that are receiving support from Jonas Philanthropies. And so the first step is to just talk to your school to see if they are part of the program. And if they're not, to apply for it. I was actually the first Jonas Scholar at my school. And so I was um, part of the impetus to get the applications completed so that we could have Jonas Scholars. In addition to the Jonas Scholar program, there's some really great nursing programs out there. Tamia and I are both part of the Midwest Nursing Research Society, and within that society, they have a really large cohort of students as well as new nurses at every level that take part in the conference as well as the organization, and they offer an emerging scholars network. So it's again, it's like a community of people, and that you don't have to be selected for. You can just attend. There's lots of different opportunities out there for people who want to find those like-minded people. You know, like Tamio was saying, like one of the greatest benefits of the Jonas program is that I know that if I find somebody with a line in their email that says they're a Jonas scholar, like it's this immediate reaction that I have that I'm like, oh, one of one of my people. Because I know that when I talk to them about my experiences with that, that we're gonna have some similarities. 
I think Kelly captured that, you know, beautifully. And certainly, you know, Jonas was and is a network for us. And I think that also individuals, you know, can learn that you can get involved in research at any level, be you a a BSN level nurse, MSN, or or at PhD or DNP. You can get involved um, in research. And certainly we need all uh, individuals, all hands on deck to, to make things work. And so I understand that, you know, um, going to, to school can be costly. And so programs like Jonas uh, that, that have some funding that go along with the, with the educational pieces are, are great. But I also encourage uh, potential students to reach out and see what kinds of programs that schools already have, whether there are departmental funds, are there organizations that really align with your interests? Um, I know I'm, I'm also a member of Oncology Nursing Society, and they provide um, doctoral uh, scholarships for individuals who are interested in going back. American Cancer Society also offers a, a doctoral degree in, in nursing um, scholarship. And so, you know, it's about thinking kind of forward about how you can piece together the funds to, to get the education and then also looking for support for from your institution um, to be able to kind of get you to that end goal. Because at the end of the day, we know that certainly, it, it, you know, we, we need nurse scientists. We think about our aging workforce. The average nurse is, is ages 52. And think about even with our our folks who go on to actually get PhDs, we're a, we're a huge minority in our nursing profession. And so we've got to get people thinking about research early and also nurture that spirit of inquiry. And as we do that, really thinking about what, what makes things tick, money. We need money to be able to get these educations. And so looking for other ways in which we can support that pipeline. Wonderful. Now, I want to ask you ladies more about the work that you're doing. But before I do that, I just wanted to, for the sake of clarity, sometimes we throw out the, we'd say nurse researcher, research nurse. Um, Some people may be hearing for the first time nurse scientists in this very podcast. Can you ladies describe the the three different roles there? Um, that That way we can better understand what each role fully entails. So when we move forward in our pursuit to get engaged in research and education and academia, that we fully understand the landscape. As we think about things, as nurses, we have word salad when it comes to all of our credentials. And certainly we have word salad as it comes to the names that we choose to to call ourselves by. Um, I always tell people that I'm a nurse first. And so all those things that I learned uh, in my BSN program, I still use those in, in some capacity right now. But if I'm describing myself, I call myself a nurse scientist or a nurse researcher because I am leading studies. Uh, I have developed concepts that we are actually uh, trying to understand, again, self-management of breast cancer and cardiovascular disease. And there are research nurses who are helping me to do some of that work in that they are individuals who assist in the day-to-day process. And so they are the, the hands in the field, if you will, so helping to collect data and sometimes even helping to analyze some of that data with me. But a research nurse is is not leading. A nurse scientist or a nurse researcher is is leading. They're the principal investigators. And so that's the, you know, the the biggest difference between, you know, those two uh, roles. But again, at the heart of the matter, we're all nurses. We're all interested in improving the patient experience. 
Wonderful. Thank you for uh, clarifying that for us. So, Kelly, I want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're, you've been doing. I've heard you've been working on a project to bring a balanced approach to the self-care of emotional and physical needs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So what I've been doing is I've been working with people who are recovering after a first major cardiac event. Those events are very distressing. You know, many times they're a near-death experience. And it's a huge wake-up call for people. You know, maybe they had hypertension before and didn't understand the seriousness of it until that first major cardiac event. So when they leave the hospital, they're provided with these long lists of lifestyle changes to make. And so not only do they now have the distress of the major cardiac event and the hospitalization, but now they have the distress of um, managing all of those changes to their life. And sometimes those are so overwhelming to people's resources that it just seems completely unmanageable. So one of the ways that I'm hoping to help people is to provide treatments that supplement what people usually get in terms of the instruction and education on making those changes to your lifestyle by providing them some information and education and practicing skills on managing the emotional distress. This allows them to balance those emotional needs with those very pragmatic physical needs that they need to take care of as well. Our brains can only handle so much at a time. I'm sure we've all experienced, you know, many of us are moms, right? Where your kids are on one side and your work is on one side and, you know, maybe the dog's barking and there's just too much and you just can't, you just can't do it anymore. And I think that that happens with a lot of different patient populations where there's just so much. And so if we can help people balance things out, it makes it a little easier to manage those skills, those new skills that people are creating for their lifestyle so that they can have better cardiovascular health. That sounds very important because, you know, when people are overwhelmed, they're, they can forget things or they may not be adherent to, you know, their plan of care. It can send them spiraling in the wrong direction. So it sounds like these are interventions that will be really supportive, um, empowering to patients so they can live, you know, healthier lives after their event. So glad that you're working on something like this. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Dr. Tamaya, you also, you're doing some work too. You're working on bringing education, access to resources and partnership in research to Black communities. Can you tell us a little bit more about that work? Absolutely. So all of the work that I do is community-based. And so that means that I develop partnerships within the community to and work with those individuals to actually develop studies and then uh, implement those. And so uh, I have been working with organizations like the American Cancer Society, our American Heart Association here, uh, and one of my other large uh, organizations is the African American Male Wellness Agency. And so um, here at the Ohio State University, I have initiated the Partners in Negating Statistics for Black Women initiative. And so really what we are trying to do is just what you said. We provide education, we provide access to resources, and then we also offer those partnership opportunities for research because we know as we think about uh, clinical trial participation, we lack diversity. If we think about just cancer clinical trials, there are only 5% of Black individuals who participate in cancer clinical 
clinical trials. And as we look at the overall population of Black individuals in the U.S., we make up about 12 to 13 percent. And so there's a huge disparity there. And so what we have to do is we have to go out into the community, inform them about clinical trials, become not just a researcher, but a part of the community and saying, hey, we need your help so that we can make our community better. And so that's exactly uh, what we do. And so um, we started last year with our, our inaugural signature event called Uplift Her where uh, we had about 200 Black women who came out. We did about 100 biometric screenings um, that we did Life Simple 7, which kind of look at ideal cardiovascular health in Black women. We were able to do pap smears right there on the spot. We had 19 of those that were done, 14 mammograms that were done on that day. And for individuals who were unable to be seen that day, we actually had patient navigators out there so that we could connect them into services. But, you know, I think the most important important thing is that, you know, people had that connection with our university out in the community and they loved seeing how we were able to, you know, go beyond our ivory towers and reach into our, uh, and into black communities and then lift individuals up, offering those opportunities to partner with us in research and then changing some of these dynamics that we see as far as diversity and clinical trial participation. And so I take it to heart. You know, I, I am a Black woman, and I know that we have abysmal, abysmal, you know, health as it compares to other ethnicities. And so whether that be breast cancer, where we're 40% more likely to die, or looking at cardiovascular disease, women between 20 and 49, about half of them have uh, high blood pressure. You know, there's huge, huge, huge disparities. Um, that we have to make a difference in. And the only way that we do that is really working together. Wow, that sounds like some great work. I know, you know, there's lots of mistrust in communities of colors with health professionals, and especially when it comes to research because of historical events. And so I'm glad to see that you're, you know, boots on the ground in the community where they can touch you, talk to you, and really, you know, feel like they're a partner in the work and in the research and learning more about it. I think that's really what, you know, we need. We really need to build that trust with our community. So thank you for the work that you're doing. It's instrumental. And I can't wait to see the work that both of you ladies are doing, not only in your immediate areas, but then be generalized to the remain, you know, the rest of us here in the United States. That would be great. Because I think that's also an important part of research. I know you start with a small group or um, a specific group of people, and then hopefully you're able to take that information and then apply it to other groups or, you know, tweak it if needed to other groups. I think that's the fun part of research, getting to apply it to different groups and, you know, trying the studies in other areas to see, does this work with this population? Does it not? And if it doesn't, what can we do to change it, to make it uh, fit another group. And anyways, we could talk forever about research because I am, I'm interested in that. I'm not a nurse scientist per se. As part of the APN role, obviously I'm reading research all the time and I admire, admire, admire the people who, who generate the new information because it's needed. So for those of you who are listening, like, oh, I don't need to know about nursing research. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because this is what drives our practice. We always talk about being evidence-based and so in order to elevate um, not only our profession, but our but healthcare in general, we need more nurse scientists. So before I let you ladies go, any recommendations or words for people who are listening to this and might be thinking to themselves, you know, I am interested in doing research, but I'm not really sure what to do next. How can I get from where I am at the bedside to what you ladies are doing? Any words of wisdom? I think it's important to remember 
that none of us know anything until we get into it and experience it and get more education about it. So, you know, research seems really overwhelming from an outsider's perspective, but so do many other things to me. And so you just need to ask the questions and, you know, get out there and talk to some people. Researchers are fairly nice human beings in general and uh, will talk to you and tell you. We, we're very excited to tell people about what we do. And so it's just, it's lovely to just talk with people about what they do. What does the day-to-day look like, you know? Yeah, I have to echo that. Seriously, it is about, you know, getting out there and asking questions and, and trying to see what other people do. I think exposure is is the best thing that anybody can actually do. And, you know, as we think about even diversity in, in nursing, uh, so certainly we have issues related to diversity. We need more nurses of color. We need more nurses from different uh, religious backgrounds, from different sexual orientations. We absolutely need that because our patients are just that. And so um, as we think about science, it's the, it's the very same. All levels need to be diverse. We also need to have equity and inclusion um, as, as aspects of care. Um, and so I would say, reach out to individuals who are doing that job that you find interesting. And if they're not directly at your institution, send an email. There is nothing more that a scientist likes to do than to talk about the work that they do because we are passionate about that and we want to share our passion with other people. And so, you know, reach out, don't be shy. All individuals that I work with and that I have seen in in spaces, you get an email, you respond to that email and certainly are happy to have a phone call, Zoom call, Teams, whatever platform that you would like to to use, but it's it's just important to to have that exposure because you never know until you try it. If you are a new nurse, or if you have undergraduate degree and you just don't know who to start with to talk to, email one of your faculty that you had in your undergraduate program, or even the program in general. Uh, that's a great place to start where you can get some information about who else you could talk to. Great advice. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you ladies. Before I let you go, can you please remind people where they can go to learn more about the Jonas Scholar Program? The Jonas Scholar Program, usually what I do is I actually just do a web search for Jonas Scholars, and that's how I find it. They have a really nice website. It covers all of the content about what a Jonas Scholar is, what some of the Jonas Scholars have done in the past, And so if you go there, you can get a lot of information about what you could expect from that program, as well as some of their other programs. So Jonas Philanthropies um, certainly has a wonderful website. And on that website, you can also find a list of schools that have active uh, Jonas Scholars programs. And so I highly suggest um, uh, kind of looking through those schools. Maybe you can find a school that you are interested in and really find direct uh, information about what some of their past Jonas Scholars have also done. Great. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be lots of people going, looking up for that information because there is a lot of interest in people going back to school. I know with the pandemic, nurses went through so much and they're ready for change. They're ready to see more, do more, and be more. So guys, I hope you have been inspired and empowered to take that next level in your education and your nursing career. We had some wonderful ladies here talking about the work that they do, the Jonas Scholar Program. And so let this inspire you to take that next step. So I want to thank you, Kelly and uh, Tamaya, for your time. 
for the work that you're doing. We appreciate you. And, you know, dare I say, you guys are listening. I don't know if we can find them on LinkedIn, but maybe you can reach out to them and ask them questions even more about their experience or advice. I'm sure these ladies would be open to that. I heard them talk a lot about mentors. I think mentoring is so important in nursing. You know, it really takes a village. We need to support one another. There's plenty of work to do. So we need plenty of people to help with this work. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you found it helpful and informational. I definitely did. So please make sure to share this with a friend, a colleague, a neighbor, your nurse manager, hey, your classmate, because this is information that we all definitely can learn a lot from. And so I'm Nurse Alice. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank nurse.org for hosting the podcast. It's always our treat. If you have any questions about this episode or any other episodes, please email me at nursealice at nurse.org. Until next time, guys, make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.